Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report, uh, second time lucky, I'm hoping, because uh, this is actually the second time I've recorded this podcast. So it's taken me a monumental age, a lot of procrastination of just like, oh, I don't want to do it again. And then I had to edit it. Oh, I tried to edit it and I was like, it's just going to be quicker uh, to redo it. So what's in store for today? The first of a 17 podcast series going club by club. NRL season previews uh, for the upcoming 2024 season. Going to be banging these out uh, pretty rapidly uh, toward the back end of this year, or it is the back end of this year. It's December, holy dooly. Uh, But that's beside the point. So today we're going to launch into the Tigers. Like I said, I've already recorded this podcast once before, but the beauty of doing this a second time is I got to listen to it back and kind of chop bits out. So it's actually going to be a lot shorter. In the original one, I started off with a bit of a Tigers history lesson, which I'm not going to do for other teams, uh, but basically went through where it's all gone wrong since their 2005 Premiership. Uh, Now, they did have two really strong seasons, 2010, uh, which belonged to the Dragons, and 2011, where they were pipped by the Warriors, Uh, and sent packing in an elimination final. Other than that, uh, it's been pretty doom and gloom, and it's gotten progressively worse. Uh, Now, one other thing I did in that uh, kind of portion of going through and seeing where it's all gone wrong, I spent quite a bit of time talking about the board of directors, all these leaks, the power struggles, and what I essentially, over the course of two hours, which I'm going to shorten, significantly today uh, basically to sum it up for you uh, the board and the decision makers seem to be what's going wrong at this club rather than the players rather than the coaches because goodness gracious haven't they tried a few now it's going to be up to Benji Marshall Uh, but what took me about an hour landed me on board of directors that's where it's going wrong so if you want to know more about them I did a whole breakdown of who's on the board and stuff, but I was bored. Not board of directors, but bored fucking stupid talking about it. And the more I was talking about it, the more I was like, man, this is actually quite boring. And I think the listener, this is, yeah, this is kind of doesn't need to be in here. So board of directors, that, in my opinion, seems to be where it's going wrong. Our power struggles, betrayals of trust, all sorts of shit, leaks. We kind of know are what the Tigers are about. So that was where I landed after an hour. Where is it going wrong? Seemingly the board and the decision makers. It's a new coach. Benji's just got his foot in the door. You can't really blame Tim Sheens, Michael Maguire. I mean, Ivan Cleary, I could understand why some Tigers fans would be annoyed. Uh, but it's certainly this overall mess wasn't Cleary's fault. Uh, Mick Potter, Jason Taylor. There's been plenty going on over the years. So what took me an hour has taken me about four minutes to sum up uh, so that we can get 
more into the footy side and the 2024 season. Uh, but yeah, essentially, the first hour was kind of a history lesson, looking at where things are kind of going wrong, and I landed on the board of directors. But what I also landed on was the fact that talking about the board and the decision makers, it's just boring. It's not the way I kind of want to start this series, but it would be remiss of me not to mention that I believe, and many people believe, uh, that's kind of going, or where it's going wrong. Now, is that the fault of Lee Hadjipentelis? Is it Justin Pascoe? Is it one of these other, you know, decision makers? I don't know. And quite frankly, with the cost of living and just all the shit going around us in the world, I have bigger fish to fry than working out what the Tigers' fucking issues are. They can work it out themselves, which they don't seem to be doing. So there's power struggles, there's leaks. We've established the problem. uh, And for the players and coaching staff, it actually makes their job quite hard. Now, I'm going to get into the podcast. I'm going to pause for a second because... I just started wheezing, uh, which is not necessarily how I want to start this uh, series either. So I'm going to wheeze in private for a moment, and then we are going to get amongst it the West Tigers NRL season preview for 2024. I think we're good to go. Uh, Went a little bit Say It Ain't So by Weezer uh, for a moment there. Anyway, 2024 storyline for the Tigers. Plenty of them, uh, which I'll get to as I go through. Obviously, the coach, uh, some of the players, some of the potential uh, transfers that they are looking at, which could even go down immediately. So the good thing about doing this a second time as well, uh, a lot of these Jerome Luai developments hadn't broke. So there is some interesting news to talk about. Uh, But Tigers haven't been cited in the finals since 2011. They had two great seasons. Struggle Town outside of that. Back-to-back wooden spoons is how they enter this season. They had more coaches in recent times than they have had finals appearances. Coming into this one, after going 16th a couple of years ago, Seemed like they'd bottomed out, they sunk to a new low of 17th. Only up from here, question mark. That's what I wrote in my notes. Logically, you would say it's only up from here, and there are a lot of reasons, uh, actually, which I'm going to talk about, as to why that does seem to be the case. But I did write in my notes, only up from here, question mark. Emphasis on the question mark. And again, that kind of goes back to the board of the directors and... Those fuckers, no, no offense, please don't sue me. Uh, but yeah, only up from here, question mark. It's hard to tell. I mean, it doesn't seem like they've finished leaking out information. It doesn't seem like the power struggles ended. Goodness gracious, we will see, won't we? Now, coaching staff. Start, obviously, with Benji Marshall. Uh, the biggest talk around this, obviously the lack of experience. Now, as a player, especially as a Tigers player, you're not going to get a player with better experience who can really lead this charge. But no coaching experience at any level before last year. And the plan was Tim Sheen's head coach. Benji takes over 
in 2025, Benji, by the end of last season, was already head coach. Now, what does work in his favour is that the players respect him. The players seem willing to buy in for Benji, and a lot of them are quite young. You know, they wouldn't really have a recollection of Tim Sheens and when the Tigers were dominant. And so to have a coach like Benji, who they've actually seen, and Benji's career is recent enough that it's very relevant to these players, uh, these things do work in his favour. A bleat, albeit a bleat, I've fucking literally malfunctioned, my bad. Uh, anyways, Benji Marshall. Look, at any other club, I'd be all for it, and I still am all for it, but you're literally not going to get a more difficult assignment than coaching the Tigers. So that that's what we're all going to be keeping our eye on, no doubt. He's coming off the first year of having any coaching experience. No more Tim Sheens. Uh, but one thing, again, today I'm shortening it up, so I'm not going to spend as long on each point. Uh, but one thing I spoke quite a bit about last time, one of the ad- additions uh, as assistant coach. Now, Robbie Farrer, Chris Hyington, other assistants who were part of that 2005 premiership win. John Morris, another former Tiger, former Sharks head coach, I had a great track record, especially with bringing the young players through, who he also coached uh, at under-20s level. Spent the last couple of years at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Now, why is John Morris a fantastic signing? He has that experience. He has that coaching experience from the lower grades through to being an NRL head coach. Uh, So he knows quite a bit. And when he was coaching the Sharks, it's not like they were lingering down the bottom of the ladder. They were going quite decent. They just, the club, they felt like Craig Fitzgibbon uh, was going to take them to that next level. So what Benji lacks in coaching experience, John Morris brings to the table. My half glass full attitude says that is an amazing balance and it's going to really help because Benji, he has the players' hearts. You know, the players are ready to go into battle for him. Uh, But all those little things and some big things that he's missed through having no coaching development, uh, John Morris will be able to bring to the table. So that's my half glass full approach. Someone on a fucking saw or some shit out there. I don't know if you can hear that power tool, but we digress. Uh, John Morris, though, if this is a half glass empty view, which in the Tigers case, it always seems to pan out that way. Last year, there was some talk that there was already pressure on Benji that they might get an experienced coach in there. So what happens if the Tigers have another awful start in 2024? Immediately, the chat comes out, John Morris, maybe they get, you know, shaft Benji, or maybe he gets moved into an assistant role. It already seems like a potential mess waiting to happen. And look, if the Tigers are eyeing off John Morris to potentially take that head coaching role, they'll fucking tell us. It'll get leaked, so we'll know. Uh, But I prefer to take the half-glass full approach, where if they just let Benji do his job, which also happens to be the toughest job in the NRL, if they just let him do his job, uh, I think John Morris, alongside Hyington and Farrah, can be an amazing foil. So there we go. Uh, I did write down Michael Checker. Hasn't been confirmed. I think they've got an interim 
general manager of football, but there have has been talk of Michael Checker joining the club. Uh, here I had the board of directors part, like I said, we'll just skip that today. Pretty rogue bunch. Are they the problem? Uh, in short, I think they are. Now, we move on. Captain of the club, RP Corusau. Three premierships rings to his name, world-class experience. RP is tasked with leading his team out of the dumpster fire that they find themselves in. Uh, now, RP, incredible player, great leader. I mean, when you look at his body of work at the Penrith Panthers and how he really was one of the senior leaders in that side, he's come to the Tigers now. Uh, a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. Came to the club uh, as a marquee addition last year, alongside some other pretty handy players, uh, like Isaiah Papali'i. Now for Coruscant, last year didn't work out quite the way he wanted to. Now form-wise, he was still unbelievable, but it was very much the adjustment of going from the cream of the crop, top of the mountain, I guess best way I can put it, Panthers to Tigers, he went from the CEO to the janitor. So it takes a bit of adjustment. You've been living the CEO lifestyle. You got meetings, you got a suit. I don't know, I've never been a fucking CEO. And then you're a janitor. Mind you, a marquee janitor on a fucking good amount of coin. But yeah, you're in the janitor's shoes now. So it does take a bit to adjust. But look, one huge thing as well about RP is when you look at Jerome Luai, a big fish in the player market right now, Someone who could, alongside Arpi, change the fortunes of this Tigers club beyond just making finals and scraping into finals and actually changing them into a premiership contender, which I know it's a bold call where they are right now. But having a player like Arpi, it's not just great for the on-field, for the off-field and what he brings, but it helps attract other players like Jerome Luai, where maybe if he has to choose between, say, Bulldogs and Tigers, they're throwing the most money. Well, you've got Sorrell at the Bulldogs, a few familiar faces at the, uh, from the Panthers. But then in the Tigers' case, you've got Arpi. And, I mean, you let those two cook together. That is a combination. So not only is Arpi the captain, the leader, but as far as bringing in more quality talent, as well as keeping young guys like Jareen Buller, that you can build the club around, we're already seeing the influence uh, that the captain can have. Now I'm going to stick on Api Corusau uh, because for each club in this series, I'm going to go through coaches, captains, uh, but I'm also going to have an X-Factor player uh, like I did. I didn't do this series last preseason, but I did it for the 2022 season, uh, so a little while ago. Uh, but in that series, a couple of years ago, I had an X-Factor player who's RP Corusau for the Tigers, and I'll explain why. Uh, and I also have a one to watch, one young player to watch from every club, uh, which I did have that series this past preseason as well. Guys like Suafar Logo, uh, Dean Mariner were on that list. Uh, but we're going to have a one to watch, young player to keep an eye on from every club as well. As the X-Factor player, like I mentioned, Api Corusau. Now in my notes I wrote the catalyst for change, uh, which for reasons like I just mentioned, on field, leadership, you know, just around the boys at training, energy, 
the players he could bring in, uh, as far as players wanting to play alongside him. He is the catalyst for change, and wherever Arpi goes, success tends to follow. Now he's a superstar player. Last year, especially at the start of the year, I mean he came off the bench to start, it just seemed like the Tigers couldn't get up to his level. But they've had a bit of time to work on combination, or combinations. I think Tigers will be better equipped to have a crack at it this year. As far as Coruscant's on-field skills, he is a master of deception from acting half. I think unpredictability is one of his biggest strengths. Now, he makes the right call more often than not, but the wild thing to me is that defences, they just can't read it. They're never quite sure which way he's going to go. And that's not something that Arpi was just born with. That is something he's meticulously practised through the years at the Rabbitohs, Panthers, Seagulls, back to the Panthers to have the best run of his career. And now he arrives, I mean, not even as the finished product, but as a very complete player who can still add more strings to his bow. So for Arpi Coruscant, very crafty operator, impeccable vision, and it is going to be interesting. I mean, if they get Luai immediately, which there was some talk, Panthers, if Clemmer and a young half, Lockie Galvin, were to be traded, Luai could go immediately. Uh, just on that, I'm not going to talk about that in this podcast. There'll be plenty of future ones uh, to talk about that one in, but I don't want to be too speculative in case it's 2025. So that could happen. And talking about this halves combination now, I may not be factoring in that Luai's actually going to be going immediately, uh, but we will see. Patience is going to be required. That's another thing I wrote down. Spine combinations will need time to build. Now, you've got an elite young player in Jareem Buller at fullback. Uh, he's the best option they've had since Tedesco. I truly believe that, and I think his form has warranted that honour. And now he's got a nice contract upgrade. He's locked in, and that's a nice move for the Tigers. One other thing I did say in the last podcast uh, was that despite all the mess Tigers find themselves in, there are plenty of good moves being made on like the player market front, not just signing guys, but retaining guys, like getting a kid like Jareem Buller to stick around at the club. So RP working alongside Jareem Buller, uh, guys like Latu Finu, Jaden Sullivan, it's going to be interesting. Uh, but if they do combine well, very exciting. I'll quickly jot off a couple of the other notes I had for RP Coruscant X-Factor player. I did have a look at the potential half combinations. There's Lockie Galvin, who really good young player. That's why Penrith potentially after him. Uh, and Aiden Caesar, who I'll talk about shortly. Uh, but Benji Marshall has said if Jaden Sullivan, who's arrived from the Dragons, and young Latu Finu, who's arrived from the Seagulls, if they can really knuckle down and own this preseason, they are going to be the starting halves. So that's a big call, it's a bold one, but Benji himself was thrown in the deep end very young in his career. So I like that. And you look at a player like Latu Finu, 
this prodigious young talent and it's like, ah, oh, are the Tigers going to fucking ruin his career? Which I mean respectfully, but not ruin his career, but, you know, are we going to see this young player flourish and get the absolute best version of Latu Finu? There's a lot of reasons why people are saying no, not at the Tigers. But Benji Marshall, in terms of being able to relate to this young kid who has all the talent in the world, Benji, like Latu, was thrown in potentially, in many people's eyes, before he was ready. So I think that's a connection that they can really grow. Because Latu Finu, there aren't going to be a ton of people in this world, even coaches, who've kind of had that path where you're this young superstar, the media has built you up before you've even played a game of NRL. Benji understands though. So that's a connection I'm really excited to see. Uh, and as far as Latu Finu, if we get the best out of him, I mean, you get Arpi, Sullivan, Finu, Jareen Buller on the back of that. Yes, please. So X-Factor player to circle back, Arpi Corusau. I just think in terms of all the reasons I just mentioned, he holds so much importance to the turnaround that the fans so badly want. On to the gains and losses. Uh, Dane Laurie, the first loss for the Tigers. Going back to Penrith. And yeah, I think this is one where people are going to be like, what the hell, Tigers? He'll go back to Penrith. He'll kill it. He may even be the one to fill in for Luai in that six jersey uh, for the next couple of years. So watch this space. But Dane Laurie, big loss for the Tigers. They worked so hard. To get him over from the Panthers, uh, things just didn't quite work out. Now, you want to speak about things not quite working out? Luke Brooks. Uh, now, again, I keep referencing the last podcast, but when I spoke about uh, the board of directors kind of fucking running wild, all these power struggles, leaks, and just all this bullshit, I kind of said that the players take the brunt of that. The players are the ones who really have to wear the responsibility, even though they aren't the ones doing that. And I don't think there's any more of a player, any bigger scapegoat during this whole fiasco than Luke Brooks. I really feel like this young halfback, who the media anointed as the next Andrew Johns, only to be the same ones that tore him down. Luke Brooks, as a youngster bursting on the scene, he was really looked at as the next great hope, the next great number seven for this Tigers club. But he, you know, never made finals. And I just think it was time for a divorce. Hype, well, there was plenty of it. And just, yeah, over the years, it was clear they both needed to go in different directions. Brooksy, actually a really quality player. Very keen to see how he goes at the Manly Seagulls going to have a lot more freedom uh, playing outside DC and freedom in general. He gets his barbecue and finally Luke Brooks leaves the Tigers. It's about time for both clubs or both for both club and player rather because it just clearly wasn't working out and I think Luke Brooks to finally leave the Tigers and the shit show that has been going on around him is going to be so good. For his career so I'm stoked for him I really want to see 
uh, Luke Brooks come out and kill it next year. And with that being said, Tigers back to square one as far as their halves. Although, as I've talked about, they are making moves. Speaking of making moves, Brooksy, not the only one heading to the Seagulls. Itasi James also departing the Tigers off to Manly. Uh, now, there's still that trade rumour that just will not go away. I believe it is going to go through. Justin Olam for Sean Bloor. Uh, it seems like they're really targeting a left centre. Club went after Bradman Best. He was like, no thanks. Uh, and so Justin Olam, they're having a look at, who Storm have shot, uh, shopped around. I can't speak English. And again, it's one of those things where Melbourne, they'll get the best out of Sean Bloor. But when you look at the Tigers' forward pack right now, uh, it's not like Sean Bloor will be starting, at least on an edge, unless they play him at lock. So they've got a pretty decent forward pack. I don't mind the move. It just depends uh, how Olam is physically. Because I think since he came back from injury, just not quite the same player. But if he's got his body right, at his best, fuck yeah. As if any... As if Oh, I can't actually speak English. Oh my god. As if, as if any. I have malfunctioned once again. Uh, what I was fucking trying to say. If he's at his best, you'll take him. Anyway, goodness gracious. Solomon Ali Marlow. Uh, amongst all this chat of rugby union exemptions, Solomon Ali Marlow, fullback winger, uh, who plays rugby union in New Zealand, has played a bit of super rugby. Uh, Chiefs, Highlanders. And played quite a bit of NPC, a non-playable character, slash National Provincial Championship, I think. Uh, but he's a talent. I'm a fan of Solomon Ali Marlow, and I'd actually love to see him in rugby league. So interested to see if Tigers do make that move. And I assume if there's an exemption, why wouldn't you? Uh, now, Jerome Luai, I said I wouldn't talk about it too much. For an immediate transfer, 2024. Uh, but for 2025, I think he's there. I think that's where Jerome Luai is going. I'm not breaking any news. Never spoken to the bloke. Uh, I have work tomorrow as well, so I can't speak to him. Uh, massive Jerome Luai fan, by the way. But yeah, that's where my spidey senses are tingling. So again, I have zero inside information. Never talked to Jerome. Haven't talked to anyone involved in the Tigers. Although, fuck, that's not a bad idea. I probably literally can just ring ring around at the Tigers and be like, hey, what's going on with the Jerome Lewis situation? And they'll tell me. I wouldn't even have to tell them my name. Uh, anyway, I think he's going there. I think it's huge. I think it's huge. But I also think... If he does sign for 2025, well, we'll have to wait until the 2025 season preview. One season preview at a time, people. So we'll park the Jerome Luai chat. I'm going to be doing lots of footy podcasts, so there'll be time to talk about that. But yeah, just has to be addressed. Uh, obviously, last couple of days, news coming out that he may go immediately if the Tigers are willing to part with David Klemmer who they were already leaning that way. And Lockie Galvin, who is a very promising young half. But I mean, if you get Jerome Luai, he's probably surplus two requirements if you've got Sullivan and Finu. And Lachlan Galvin, 
He's one not really getting spoken about in this halves discussion for this upcoming season uh, for the Tigers, but I rate him a lot. And I think the fact that Panthers have said, we'll give you Luai right now. If we can get Clem, uh, who I would assume would take that role of Spencer Lenu and Lockie Galvin. And look, Penrith have some really good middles. Lindsay Smith, Liam Henry. So it's not like they need David Clemmer. But very interesting that they've had a look at Lockie Galvin and said, well, we'll take him. We'll give you Luai straight away. So very intriguing. I also think uh, the club, they've played Dane Laurie, this is Panthers, in the halves plenty. Spent heaps of time in the lower grades playing in the halves. I think Penrith seem very much prepared to play Dane Laurie at six right now. And if not Laurie, Brad Schneider who's a very handy addition. Uh, but as far as the Tigers, we'll talk about that potential trade once it happens. 2024 gains. Jaden Sullivan from the Dragons, who I spoke about before, massive fan. Have been even before he set foot in the NRL. But we've just been waiting. And he's been stuck behind Ben Hunt, and we thought maybe that six jersey would become his, uh, but kind of got overtaken by Teletau Amon. Now Jaden Sullivan comes to the Tigers, which it's like, damn, you know, you're like, I'm finally leaving the Dragons, thank God. Oh gosh, if uh, you don't want me to use the Lord's name in vain. Uh, but yeah, then he's like, oh, I am going to the Tigers. So yeah, well, at least Jaden Sullivan, he's not gonna be any stranger to a poorly run club. Now, he has the ability to create points. That is what I think is really important here. Tigers, historically, when they have been at their best, the joint venture, they have attacking flair. They have some real creativity and spark. Who was at the forefront of that? Benji Marshall. And I think if we're looking for that spark, if we're looking for that special play, Jaden Sullivan has that in bucket loads. He was proving to be far too good for New South Wales Cup but just couldn't get his fucking foot in the door at the Dragons. Even when Ben Hunt was like, please, let me go. I don't want to be here. I really want to go. My family's in Queensland. Please, let me go. I, you can have the money. You don't have to pay me out. I really want to go. And the Dragons were like, ah, Jaden Sullivan, we're not going to give you a run. So he comes to the Tigers hungry for an opportunity. I think that's really underrated. And yeah, last year at cup level, he was producing four or five try assists in a game, and that was for a dragon side in the lower grades who were not going that well uh, and didn't have the strongest kind of roster. He was still creating points. So I think that's the biggest asset to Sullivan's game is that attacking spark. And that, like I said, if Tigers can get on the front foot and you're looking for, you know, that Benji flick pass, well, both these young halves in the mix have quite a bit about them. So Jaden Sullivan arrives from the Dragons. Love that signing. I also talk on a development deal that the club has signed young front rower Gordon Whippy. Cracking name. A cracking player too. I kind of watched him in the lower grades. I think he spent a little bit of time at Canberra. My memory... It's pretty poor at the best of times. Most notably and recently, we saw Gordon Whippy in the front row for Fiji in the Pacific Championships. And his performances 
enough to earn him a shot in the NRL. So Gordon Whippy, he's one we could see in the mix. Aiden Caesar comes over from the Leeds Rhinos. Uh, also spent some time at Huddersfield Giants. In the NRL, uh, well, we saw Caesar burst onto the scene at the Titans. Uh, and then, of course, at the Raiders, helped take the club to a grand final. So Aiden Caesar, very experienced player. We don't know where he's at form-wise. I spoke to a couple of my friends who had dialed into the Super League. And they weren't saying, you know, Aiden Caesar's going to come over and kill it. He's in fine fettle. So we'll have to see. Uh, but let's remember, Aiden Caesar is not signed on huge coin for this season. So I really like this signing. It's a stopgap solution, low risk. He can be a mentor for the young halves. And a little bit earlier this year, there was chat with Jack Cogger coming off contract, who obviously, since the grand final, his stocks have risen massively. Uh, but Tigers were kind of in the predicament. Do you give Jack Cogger a three-year deal, or do you get Hayden Caesar for two, one or two? And then they kind of felt like, all right, let's get Caesar. He may not be the better signing for the immediate future, but it was a nice long-term call. And now we see, with the club bringing in Caesar, yeah, it's not the most needle-moving signing, but it is allowing the Tigers in the bigger picture, long-term thinking, so congratulations to this rabble of a fucking organization, because that's a good call. Aiden Caesar. This now allows him to probably get Jerome Luai. That's a hell to the year for that. He's a goal-kicking option, got a great kicking game, and yeah, over 200 games of top-flight footy. So Aiden Caesar, we'll see how much NRL he plays this year. I actually thought he was going to start the season in the seven jersey, uh, but we'll have to see how trials uh, and everything like that goes. Then the other gains, the Finu brothers. Joining their brother who was already at the club, so now there's three Finus. You've got Latu and Samuela coming over from Manly. Both of them playing last year, uh, or this year, this past year, fucking hell. It's only December. I've already fast forwarded to 2024. Uh, both of them played under-19's origin for the Blues. Latu has a cap for Tonga. Samuela, five games in the NRL this year with Manly. Great long-term investment. Latu Finu, young half, spoke about him previously. Awesome signing. Awesome signing. And Samuela Finu, more of an edge-back rower. I can play in the middle as well. Just as good a signing. He'll be in the mix straight away. So as far as the signings front, there were a couple of losses, obviously Brooksy, but that had to happen, and Dane Laurie. But over the last couple of years, they're bringing the right guys in. They got RP Bateman, Isaiah Papali'i last season, now this season. Uh, they're really adding some promise to the mix. I like it. So gains and losses, overall thoughts? I like it. I think it's a good strategy with an eye to the future. Rather than looking for that quick fix, you know, how can we just get the media, the fans off our back and have just instant gratification? They've gone, no, let's, let's get Aiden Caesar to just hold down the fort. Let's give these young halves a go. Gives us some time to have a crack at Luai, to also be bringing through these young juniors like Lockie Galvin.
Next up, the 2024 draw for the Tigers. Uh, this is going to be a snapshot, but in rapid form. I, I'll be doing previews all of next year, so I don't need to go game by game. Uh, and as a whole, looking at the Tigers' draw, I think it's pretty decent. They have a chance. There's definitely nothing egregious in the draw, and they've got plenty of games at Campbelltown, plenty of games at Leichhardt, some other games still within Sydney. The draw's decent for the Tigers. So that's my overall snapshot, uh, but let's rapidly go through uh, what's in store. Round one, they've got the bye, which I think is good. While everyone else is kicking off their season, Tigers just pause. Think about the last two years, back-to-back -back wooden spoons. Reflect on that, and you can join everyone in round two. And hopefully, that little extra round just to collect yourselves and get ready to launch, hopefully it's beneficial. Uh, but they came last this previous season. They came last the one before that, so... They can have the bye in round one. They'll kick off their season round two in Canberra. Ooh, chilly. Uh, that is not an easy game, but Canberra will have to wait and see. Uh, like, they could surprise a lot of us, or they could be one of the teams, and I think they are the most likely team uh, from this past season's top eight to have quite a decline. So that'll be a very interesting game. Tigers travelling to Canberra first up in round three, Leichhardt Oval against the Sharks. And if Tigers show up to the best of their ability, there's no reason why they can't be competitive and actually win a game like that. Round four, I believe that's Easter Monday. That's April Fools too. Uh, Combank Stadium, Eels up against the Tigers. Tigers do all right uh, traditionally in that fixture. So yeah, not the worst start. Obviously, this past season, they had the most awful start imaginable. They're a little bit better positioned for some success early on. Round five, they'll take on the Dolphins at Suncorp, who they'll also meet during Magic Round at Suncorp. Sunday, 14th of April, Campbelltown. So again, a few home games early in the mix against the Dragons, who are about as shit, respectfully. So yeah, who knows what'll happen in that game, Carrington Park Bathurst against the Panthers. Very tough game, but of course Tigers, they beat the Panthers earlier this year. Uh, now, I think the toughest part of their draw, back-to-back, -back, they've got Panthers round seven into Broncos round eight at Campbelltown. Uh, but they will be at home against the Broncos. Don't know how much the home ground advantage will come into play. Then the Bulldogs at a core stadium, so again... There's another winnable game. Tigers, if they can win these games against the likes of, you know, the Raiders, the Bulldogs, the Dragons, then all of a sudden they're up and about going into round 10 against the Knights in Tamworth. Back to Brisbane for Magic Round against the Dolphins, and then they'll be sticking around in Queensland, taking on the Cowboys in Townsville. That will be a very interesting meeting, uh, given... The two games we saw from those sides this year. Round 13, Tigers, have another bye. Collect yourselves. Uh, and then it's back to the Dragons. Hell yeah, for the Tigers, they'll be like, that's, hopefully we can win that. Uh, in Wynn Stadium. Funny stadium name, Wynn Stadium. 
considering Dragon's not winning very much. Lol, what a shit joke. Anyway, Leichhardt Oval, Titans. That's another game where Tiger's very much in the mix. Uh, who knows where things will be at, though, by round 15 next year. Then they play the Raiders at Campbelltown. The Tigers, oh, not the Tigers, they are the Tigers. The Roosters in round 17 at Allianz. The Storm at Leichhardt Oval, round 18. They'll meet up against the Sharks again uh, in Sydney. Then in Gosford, round 20, they'll play the Rabbitohs. By this stage, we'll know where the Tigers are at. But let's say they have had a phenomenal season and they are in the mix for finals. We're all yipping and yahooing. We can't believe it. The Tigers have finally done it. I can finally speak English. This would be their run to finals. Round 21 against my beloved team in Auckland uh, against the Warriors. You'd have to say that'll be a tough game, but who knows where things will be at and who knows where Tigers will be at. Again, if they're on the run to the finals, that could be a hell of a game. Uh, then at Leichhardt against the Cowboys. And again, if Tigers are in the mix for the eight, well, that'll be a huge game. Leichhardt, no doubt, would be packed. Then McDonald Jones Stadium. Uh, that'll be an absolute belter against the Knights. Uh, they'll finish off Campbelltown against the Rabbitohs. Leichhardt. Oh, interesting. So they've got a bye within their last four games. Uh, but other than that, the other three games they play, two at Campbelltown, one at Leichhardt. Rabbitohs, Sea Eagles, finish with the Eels. If Tigers are in the mix, that is a nice finish. They got plenty of games at Campbelltown, plenty of games at Leichhardt, a bye and three home games to finish the season. Hell yeah. So as far as the draw, there's nothing there, there to say that it's the fixtures that are going to hold the Tigers back. And I think they're a very real chance if they can get the wins over the likes of Dragons, Bulldogs, uh, and then level up and beat some of the better teams, quote unquote. Who knows? Who knows? So if I'm a Tigers fan, I'm excited about the draw. Everything else I'm not too sure about because there's leaks, there's power struggles, all that kind of shit. But the playing roster's quality, they're certainly up to it. We're just going to have to wait and see. But that is my draw snapshot. Uh, I actually think it's a good one for the Tigers. Alright, circling back to something I've discussed a couple of times already, so I'll keep this more brief. The spine for 2024. 1, 6, 7, and 9. That is the spine. It's a little song I'm working on. Uh, anyway, Jerome Buller at fullback. He's locked in. And I was listening to a clip of Billy Slater uh, speaking about Jarine Buller. And when you think about the influence Slater's had on, goodness gracious, Pappenhausen, Drinkwater, Nico Hines, Jareem Hughes, Reese Walsh, Kalen Ponga, holy dooly. You know, so far longer. Billy Slater is a wizard with his fullbacks. He knows a good one when he sees it. In fact, he's one of the best fullbacks, if not the best of all time. I'm not a big all-time guy, big Chad Townsend guy, but not a big you know, who's the greatest of all time. Not a big speculation guy. Uh, but Billy Slater, 
From what I've seen in my lifetime, I'm a big Billy Slater, greatest fullback I've seen guy. Shout out to Anthony Minicello, who, when I first kind of got into rugby league, I was like, fuck, this is the guy. Uh, but Slater, he knows a quality fullback when he sees one. He's pinpointed Jareem Buller uh, really as a world-class elite fullback and a future superstar of the game, which, based on his rookie season, already a current superstar of the game. Uh, but a couple of key bits of information I took from what Billy Slater was saying. The main thing, and to the Tigers' credit, this is what they're doing. He basically was saying, you need to put some time into Jareem Buller. You know, this isn't a little project, and if it doesn't work, you just on to the next. You've clearly got this kid on your hands who you want to build the long-term future around. Now for the Tigers, it's about really putting the work into him, helping him to develop, giving him the best possible chance to really be at the forefront of the Tigers' resurgence. So Slater, look, he knows what he's talking about, and it's totally right. But from the outside looking in, it appears that is exactly what the Tigers are doing, not just with Jareem Buller, but also with their young halves, and really giving them a chance to put the work in, but at first grade level, uh, which is a really different beast to cup or junior grades. A couple of other points Slater made about Jareem Buller, fundamentals. He took a break from rugby league, stopped playing. I was focusing on basketball. It was actually Greg Inglis who talked him into returning to the game. Greg Inglis could talk me into returning to the game. I just, I don't think he'd fucking bother my, uh, I'm no Jareem Buller. But yeah, Greg Inglis convinced him to give the game another crack. But fundamentals, it's something that doesn't get spoken about heaps but it is as important as anything in this game. I listened to a podcast, uh, it was Hayden Knowles, who's a trainer, been around the game uh, quite a bit, had Nathan Cleary on, and they were talking fundamentals for quite a bit, and Cleary was speaking about how important the fundamentals, the absolute most basic parts of his game, how important that's been to his success. So fundamentals... It's not just a buzzword, very, very crucial. And for Jareem Buller, in terms of what Slater said, put the time into him, put the effort into him, that's things like fundamentals and just getting him up to scratch on what it is to be a fullback, whilst also capitalizing on his natural gifts. Like I mentioned Arpi before, how he meticulously practiced a lot of his skills, uh, where maybe naturally... He wasn't born with those, like he was born with a lot of talent. But Arpi, you know, considered too small by many clubs. A lot of his was hard work. Whereas Jareem Buller, he's already coming with the natural gifts. And from what we can see, the fact that he burst into the Tigers' side the way he did, seemingly from nowhere, he's putting in the hard work. So that is really exciting because you have a lot of cases if you know naturally gifted players who maybe don't put in that work and you know I don't want to name names but just for example and this is respectfully to two players who I fucking loved watching and who accomplished far more than I ever have on a rugby league field and actually accomplished a lot more than a lot of players who've played NRL uh, but your, your David Taylors your Tony Williams 
you guys where it's like, fuck, if you just lived and breathed footy, which again, it's a lot to ask. These guys have lives. And sometimes with the naturally gifted ones, you know, a Tevita Pango Jr. It's not actually what they want to be doing with their life. So I always think about it from that angle too. And if it was just showing up week to week, you know, Dave Taylor, Tony Williams, beasts. But it always felt like there was an even better level they could go to that they didn't quite reach. But both guys, representative players, like had amazing careers. So I don't mean that disrespectfully, just examples. But what's exciting is when you have a player with natural gifts who is working his ass off. That seems to be what Jareen Bull is doing. Tigers fans, it has been a grim time. But coming out of this last couple of years where things have been very, very rough, there is a shining light by the name of Jareem Bula. And then you have the other shining lights uh, that I've spoken about who likely are going to start the year in the halves. Latu Fainu, Jaden Sullivan. Uh, now, whilst they are shining lights, one thing that I haven't quite talked about yet, if they do start round one, if the bulk of this Tigers season, they get a crack, which I truly believe... Like, I really like this direction. I think even if it doesn't pay immediate dividends, giving them runs on the board uh, as you continue to try and build this team around guys like your Finus and your Bullers, it just takes some time. But from week to week, it's going to be tough. They don't have a world-class halfback. And we have seen, uh, especially in the Six Again era, but traditionally, year to year, uh, the halfbacks that are at the pinnacle of the competition, or even, you know, a guy like Mitchell Moses, who hasn't quite reached premiership success, but halfbacks are very important. Look at the difference Daly Cherry Evans makes for the Sea Eagles, Adam Reynolds for the Broncos, Adam Reynolds after leaving the Rabbitohs. Uh, we've seen plenty of instances, even the Titans a couple of years ago, letting go of their experienced halfback in Jamal Fogarty, Gave Toby Sexton a crack, now Toby Sexton, at the Bulldogs. So halfback, it's one of those positions you really want a world-class halfback if you can. That's why Dragons are saying Ben Hunt, they've basically got a gun to his back. I'm convinced of that uh, by this point. But they're not letting him leave because they feel they need him. So week to week, as these young halves try to grow, it is going to be interesting to see how they can compete with guys who have plied their trade. Like they're masters of their craft now, like your Cherry Evans, Adam Reynolds, of course, Nathan Cleary, uh, even guys like Jerome Hughes, who has transformed himself into an elite world-class fullback or halfback, sorry, fucking hell, uh, but he was a fullback. So that's the challenge. Who plays seven? Uh, I think potentially Jaden Sullivan. I think both could be best suited uh, to the six. So if they bring Luai in, could Luai play seven? We'll speculate on that later. Uh, but yeah, week to week, it will be a challenge. Really excited though, to see how these youngsters go about it. And look, can we just learn from the Luke Brooks situation that, yeah, let's just go easy on these kids. Give them some time. Let's remember they are at the Tigers. Uh, so if there's any club where you're really up against it, uphill battle to get the best out of yourself, 
or at least have a club that can help you do that, it's the Tigers. So big challenge, uh, but I love the direction. I am all about this movement of just saying, fuck it. I mean, they're going for Luai, so they're not exactly saying, fuck it. But for these two promising young halves, you need to actually play them. You know, you can have all the potential in the world, but what's potential if you don't actually get a genuine fair dinkum go at having a crack at the NRL? Benji knows more than most that you can do it early in your career as a youngster. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Definitely the spine is what interests me most about the on-field with the Tigers. And then, of course, you've got all the uh, off-field shenanigans not involving players, but yeah, we won't go back to that. Uh, Dummy half, Arpi Corosau, who I've mentioned, and of course, the understudies. Talon De Silva, very, very talented young dummy half, and Jake Simkin, who's been in the role. So they will be learning uh, and just adding strings to their bow under RP Corosau. And just quickly on the halves, Aiden Caesar, Lockie Galvin, they are the depth options. Adam Dwehi, I can never say that name quite right, but Adam Dwehi, Dwehi, I'm not, Adam, <laughs> we'll stick with Adam. Uh, he's injured. Yeah, it's been interesting. Again, he's such a talented player, but we just haven't seen the best of him yet at the Tigers. And still, now that he's a mature age player, it still doesn't seem like we know what his position is. So I wonder if they both move in different directions after this season, if Adam Dwayhe can't come in and own a position. But he is someone amongst this halves chat who could come into the picture from mid to late season. Now, Jarome Luai, uh, in between recording this, I actually just read some news. Apparently, Justin Pascoe, uh, who in the OG podcast I recorded, I talked plenty about. I just thought we can trim an hour off by me not talking about Justin Pascoe. Uh, but apparently he is now handling the uh, Jerome Luai thing. Like, he has taken... The reins, as he so often does, and now it is Pasco dealing with Luai. Now I believe Pasco actually ages ago was a CEO at the Panthers, so maybe, just maybe, there's some link. Maybe he knew Luai when Luai was like 12 years old. Uh, but yeah, it just happens a lot. Tigers are the only club with more focus on the big wigs than the players and the coaches, and I just continually notice that. And again, even in the middle of recording this, I, that's the thing. That's what's taken me so long to record this fucking podcast. Because every time I go to do it, some news breaks about the Tigers. Whether it's board of directors, whether it's this Luai stuff, whether it's Justin Pascoe once again inserting himself into the picture. In fact, so much so, I think if they miss out on Luai, Justin Pascoe may just say, chuck me in. Put the seven on my back. We've already seen him warming up. I think he's I think he's ready. You know when you kind of go to like a big game or something and it's like, oh, imagine a player gets injured. They need someone to throw on the boots. They look to you. You know, you slot the winning goal or score the winning try. I genuinely believe Pasco rocks up to games in his suits. Allegedly, again. I've never met the guy. But I reckon he's just like, oh, 
You know, I'm one or two injuries away. Last year at one point, heading into this year, they had no halves signed. Caesar hadn't been signed. Sullivan wasn't there. Finu wasn't there. They lost Laurie. They were losing Brooks. They were letting go of Brandon Wakeham. I think Justin Pascoe at that point was thinking, fuck, the time is nigh for the halfback jersey. Uh, but we'll see. If they can get Luai, then Pascoe uh, can stick to being the CEO. But yeah, it is so rogue to me. And that is what has made this kind of a challenging podcast to construct more than any other club in the NRL is that I'm not just going through the players and like the gains and losses and all the things I kind of have lined up for the series. But I also have to address like what the hell is going on off field. And every time it's like, what the hell's going on? There's a leak, all these sorts of things. It doesn't seem to be the players. The players from all reports, which again, everything's getting reported with the Tigers. Players are sick of it. I definitely would be. Imagine having a conversation and the next minute what you said is in the paper and probably, you know, a twisted version of what you said, not even, you know, exactly what you said. So, yeah, that's in my notes. Only club with more focus on what's going on up top than everything else. And as fans, well, I can't speak for everyone, but we love the NRL. We love the footy. We don't sit at a pub in most cases, and go, oh, how do you think Justin Pascoe's doing as CEO? Like, we don't care. Could definitely do with less of that chat, but the Tigers are forcing it on us. Like, I have no choice but to talk about it because they are inserting themselves into the news and into the chat off-field more than anyone else. Let's get back to on-field, though. Positional battles. Our fullback, Jerome Buller, lock it in. On the wings, David Nofaluma, Junior Tupo, Charlie Staines, who they've just re-signed. Staines, potentially, uh, will be looking as a backup fullback to Jareem Buller as well. Uh, but I've read reports, so you know it's absolutely true, that the Tigers potentially looking to shop David Nofaluma to another club. So that tells me maybe he's not a lock for that right wing position, potentially depending on how preseason goes, could be Charlie Staines on the right side. We've seen him play his best football. And Junior Tupo, who a couple of clubs are after him. Raiders, who he was a junior at the Raiders. He also spent a bit of time in the Brumbies system, rugby union. Uh, and Roosters have had a look at Junior Tupo. Now, despite all the circus surrounding this club, one thing they're starting to get right is keeping these good young kids. So I think they can entice Junior Tupo to stay, but if it's more of the same from the last couple of years and they are right smack bang at the foot of the ladder, does he consider, like, do I go to the Raiders? Do I go to the Roosters? I mean, Roosters, there's always that allure there, isn't there? But for the Tigers' best 17, Junior Tupo on the left wing had an awesome year last season, statistically. And yeah, Shapes is a very important player. So I think he's got a wing spot locked uh, down. I can't speak English again. And Nofaluma, Charlie Staines, two of the main contenders for a round one start. In the centres, well, if they sign Justin Olin, you'd have to say he'll start on the left side. Stafford Toa, 
was probably their most impressive uh, at right center last year, so I think he'll be in the mix again. They have a guy like Asu Kapoa, and they also have Brent Naden. Now, that may not, you know, you may not go, holy shit, Brent Naden, that's sick. But just a little, you know, fun reminder, Charlie Staines, the Forbes Ferrari, when he did first burst onto the scene, scoring tries for fun, right? And who was the center that was putting him over for all those tries? Who formed a pretty lethal combination in a short amount of time with one C. Staines? It was Brent Naden. So I think Stafford Toa probably starts at right center, but I haven't been at training. Preseason hasn't been. Christmas hasn't even been yet. So I'm not Nostradamus, but just going on vibe, I'd say Stafford Toa and uh, Justin Olin if they get him, but Brent Naden, Charlie Staines, potential combination. Could be a good one. Uh, Ford Pack, David Klemmer, will he be there? I don't know. Arby Corosau in the nine. Stefano Utoikamanu. Been a bit of talk about contract clauses with Stefano, and he was saying, I'm willing to commit to the Tigers. We just need to, there needs to stop being leaks, and that got leaked, and then, yeah, The leaks have not stopped. Like I said, in the middle of this podcast, there's more information leaking. So, again, like Junior Tupo, this could be a case of if if this year they really start to build, if they can get Jarim, or not Jarim, Jarome Luai uh, to sign, and it really looks like they're building toward a positive future, guys like Stefano will stay. But if they're sitting 17th, even 16th, for the majority of the year, Yutoikamanu would probably at least, at the very least, consider his options elsewhere. Uh, but very important player for them in the front row this year. And potentially the move for Clemmer, probably to free up cap space to have a go at Luai. But could also be to free up some coin to keep Yutoikamanu around. If Clem's there, I expect that to be the front row pairing Clemmer, Arpi, Yutoikamanu. Back row combination, one of my favorites in the comp, Isaiah Papali'i and John Bateman. These guys know how to win, they're international players, they've played at the absolute highest level, both played in the grand final, NRL, both lost that grand final, so they are really looking to take this Tigers side to glory, and personally, you know, it would burn anytime you lose a grand final. It burns. Trust me, I've lost no NRL Grand Finals. Uh, but yeah, that back row pairing, you can set your watch to. And like I said, one of my favorites. I could talk about them for ages, but yeah, then I'll get sidetracked. Fucking dope combo. If they can keep them on the park for the whole year, that's as good an edge back row combo as any in the comp. It can at least compete. The job is for everyone to compete, though, not just the edge back rowers. Excuse me for one second. <clears throat> Blimey. Uh, Lock Ford. Very interesting one because we've seen a real revolution as of late in terms of how sides are using that number 13 uh, as a ball playing middle. For the longest time, it was like an additional prop, basically. Uh, and they've changed it up now. Now the modern day Lock Ford has to have a lot of skills, not just being, you know, a Ford tackling running. Uh, you got to be a playmaker as well these days. 
And whilst a lot of sides have really nailed down the guy they want for that role, Tigers, they don't have that kind of, I guess, the modern day lock forward. Fanua Pole, he's one who they played there quite a bit last year. Whilst he doesn't have the total package to his game right now, he's a young player that I am a massive fan of. So I actually don't mind it if they keep him in the 13. I just think development. That's what all the great sides in the comp will do. If he lacks some things in his ball playing, uh, facets of his game, that, you know, I mean, it's pretty hard to compare yourself to an Isaiah Yo, a Cameron Murray, Victor Radley, Torhu Harris, Pat Carrigan. Like, the standard of these 13s these days is incredibly high. But for Fenua Pole, he has a lot of ability. Benji Marshall, again, this is where he factors in brilliantly as a coach. If you want to teach a Ford, you know, how do you be an electric playmaker and really add a lot of these extra strings to your bow, as I like to say, Benji Marshall. I mean, what a teacher to bring these things into your game. So Fanua Pole, watch this space, but the 13 position in general, watch this space. Uh, and one additional note on the assistant coaching staff, Chris Hyington, who he played more in the days where the 13 was like an additional prop, he would have held up in the modern game. Pete Chris Hyington had a great motor. He was one who had awesome offloads. And if it had been required more at the time, he would have been doing more ball playing. So Chris Hyington's going to be a great mentor for whoever they do have in that 13 position. And yeah, let these guys cook. They're going to have to have time to cook. And if they come out and they're running last, they need time to cook, you know? Rome wasn't cooked in a day. Bench, uh, Jake Simpkin, Talon De Silva, potentially gonna be fighting it out for one available spot on the bench. You have Sione and Samuela Finu, uh, the Finu brothers that play in the Ford pack. They'll be right amongst it this year. Uh, Justin Matamua, uh, very supremely talented player. Alex Twal, I think the first thing that comes to everyone's mind was when he scored the try last year, or this past year. So, fucking good. And an awesome player. They actually looked like they were going to send him packing, and then they said, in true Tigers fashion, no, actually, we do want you. But still, everything got out to the media, so what the fuck. Uh, but Alex 12, very handy player. You'd have to say he'll be in the best 17 to start the year. And Alex Seyfarth, who could forget Alex Seyfarth? Uh, the key, Ford Pack times RP Coruscant was what I wrote down. For RP to do his thing, all the things I mentioned earlier, as an X-Factor player, influential leader, you need to go forward. It's essential. And we're seeing more and more. You know, there was the talk recently of, is a prop worth a million dollars? I think now, if you're looking at the top of the crop, look at how Adenfanua Blake plays or played this past season and how important he was to the Warriors and still is. Hence the whole fucking situation going on there. Payne Huss, the influence he has on his side. Penrith, Fisher-Harris and Leota. So I think now more than ever, there is a real emphasis on those middle forwards. And in particular, the front rowers to impose themselves. So it's going to be a massive challenge. Uh, like I said, David Clemmer, 
they may move him on. So to go at it with these guys who are seasoned veterans, every club in the comp has a tough forward pack. There are guys week to week that it's like, fuck. You know, that you'd just be like, fuck, I got to tackle him. Well, NRL players wouldn't. It's my kind of weak mindset. NRL players, you know, their competitive drive. I, I was a front rower in my day. And I remember, despite loving playing the game, sometimes you turn up, you know, I played open weight in New Zealand growing up, even though, like, they, the team just needed players. So I moved up, even though I was not open weight. And the boys were huge. The boys were fucking huge. So I'd rock up to games, and you just see some operator rolling around with, like, the eight on his back or ten on his back, and it's like, ah, oh, fuck. Ah, oh, fuck. And, yeah, they're just charging bulls. It's like, I'm a kid. And you're a kid, but, like... I'm a kid. I, this is above my pay grade. But anyway, not about me. But yeah, go forwards a must. Intimidation factor. A lot of the best clubs in the comp have elite forward packs. So for the Tigers to get themselves up to at least final standard, it all starts with the key. Matching it up front. That brings Arpi Coruscant into the game. But if you can't go forward, it renders Arpi obsolete. So my key is the go forward. Uh, one to watch. One to watch. Young player from every club during this series to keep an eye on. Uh, I did look at Latu Finu. Sometimes I just think, you know, I like to go a bit left field every now and then. This isn't too left field. He actually made his debut at the back end of last year. But my Tigers, one to watch. Young center, Josh Fallady. I played 19s origin or under 19s origin for the Blues this past year. A couple of years ago, they brought him over from the Seagulls junior grades. Really good center. And I think what makes him one to watch, yes, he's got ability, a lot of promise. I think Tigers, in terms of their centers, they could do with more depth. They could do with more healthy competition for those positions. I think Josh Fallady... He's made of the right stuff. From everything I've seen, I've been tuning in uh, probably since he moved from Manly to the Tigers. I knew a couple of Tigers fans were excited about the addition, uh, not immediately in terms of playing for the first grade side, but that when you're trying to build a side that's been at the foot of the ladder, you need some young promising guys that are going to be there in five, ten years' time. So Josh Fallady, I really think he's a strong contender this year. The center depth isn't too strong. Uh, now, Josh is on the development list, so he's not going to be there round one. But I think as the season progresses, if he can really strut his stuff at cup level, then I think he'll get the call up. Uh, now, Justin Olam, let's say hypothetically, Tigers do get Justin Olam. He starts the year at left center. I just wonder whether he's got the full season. And I'm not a hater. Justin Olam one of my absolute favorites. But just again, this is all speculative. But if Justin Olam is missing throughout the year, who do they put in? I think Josh Fallady, as the year goes on, he could be one to watch. And by the end of the year, who knows? He could be locked in, in that center position. So there you go, get that into your air holes. Ear, not a fucking hell. And yeah, one to watch, Josh Fellady.
Huh, we made it. Final two segments of the podcast. Top 30, going to go through the squad, including development and train and trial players. Uh, this is going to be quick because, yeah, I talk about all sorts of shit, as you've already heard. And for each part of the series, when I get to the top 30, I'm not going to go like, oh, yeah, this train and trial player, like, talk for 20 minutes respectfully. I'm just going to breeze through it and give some comments. There'll be guys I've already mentioned a lot, like I'll say Jarring Buller. Uh, but this is more about just the whole squad and the guys who are part of this charge to get Tigers back to success. Well, this is the whole squad because it takes a fucking army, doesn't it? Okay, top 30, Adam Dwayhe. When are we going to see him? Not sure. Best of luck, though. Massive fan. Best wishes. Aiden Caesar. He's back. Guess who's back? Aiden Caesar is back. Alex Twal. Guess who didn't have to leave? Alex Twal. Guess who scored a try? And yeah, important player. Absolute workhorse. And if Tigers were going to let him go, so many clubs could do with an Alex Twal. Alex Seyfarth. Woot woot. Sorry, it seems like I fucking have no respect for Alex Seyfarth. Very handy player. He'll be right in the mix week in, week out for a spot in the 17. Api Corosau, X-Factor player. I need to commission like a little music like dun-dun, X-Factor player. Fucking sorry. Brandon Tumith. Uh, he's one. He actually got a crack at the very start of the 2023 season on the bench, but we didn't see him after that. Uh, quality young back row, though. Junior representative. Like I mentioned, they've got Bateman, they've got Papali'i, they've got some other guys as well, but I'll be keeping an eye on Brandon Tumith. Brent Naden. Uh, right now, it's really about what Brent Naden are you, are you getting? Because if you get him at his best, hell yeah, I'll take him. Yeah, absolute quality player. Very, very dangerous in open space. Crafty as well. Not one of those centers who's predictable, doesn't have much of a passing game, always opts to run. Brent Naden has a great knack for getting his winger over. Uh, David Klemmer, will he be there? Will he not? I don't know. David Nofaluma, will he be there? Will he not? I don't know. Fanua Pole, he'll be there, and he is bloody good. Isaiah Papali'i, former Warrior, absolute gun, absolute gun. And as a Warriors fan, to see what he's accomplished since leaving, stoked for him. Jareen Buller, what a player. Jake Simpkin, <laughs> that sounded like I hated him as well. Jake Simpkin, nah, he's quality. Jaden Sullivan, signed till the end of 2027. He wanted his chance, now he's got it. John Bateman. Johnny Bateman, the Englishman, I mean, he brings the ticker week in, week out. Jordan Miller, uh, forgive me, I actually don't know who Jordan Miller is. I'm going to say he's a front rower. I'm excited to see who is Jordan Miller. Well, he's in the top 30 squad, so he's doing something right. I'm excited to see what that is. Josh Felody, my one to watch. Junior Tupo, one that a few clubs are watching. Justin Matamua, uh, he was my one to watch last year for the Tigers, fun fact. Lachlan Galvin, will he be there, will he not? I don't know. Latu Finu, he will be there, and if he's there for the long term, well, 
he could be one of the faces. Who knows, this is just dreaming, even though I'm not a Tigers fan. Finer could be one of the faces in that next Tigers Premiership. Who knows, speculation city, but long-term asset. And amongst all the bullshit going on at the Tigers, let us commend them on some long-term assets. And they have a few of them as well. Samuel Afainu, uh, he'll be really pressing to be a consistent first grader this year. Sean Bloor, will he be there? Will he not? I don't know. Sione Finu, he'll be there with his bros, literally. Uh, Stafford Toa, very handy player. Also a Kiwi. Uh, watched a game a number of years ago. It was a schoolboys game, uh, like Australian schoolboys versus Kiwi schoolboys. And Reese Walsh was fullback for Australia. Sam Walker was halfback. Uh, but playing fullback in that game for New Zealand, a side that was captained by Jordan Rickey in that game, uh, Stafford Toa was playing fullback. And he was at the Knights, and I was always keeping tabs on him. Came to the Tigers, and it just... He was like an NRL player, but he, it wasn't like Stafford Toa. And then he Stafford Toa'd. Valentine Holmes. And since then, we've all been taking notice. This is a great opportunity for Stafford Toa to now elevate himself from definitely an NRL player and up to that standard and start to more consistently. I mean, you don't have to wreck week in, week out. Like that Tigers Cowboys game was insanity. But just to get it over your opposition center more often than not. So that'll be the star, uh, challenge for Stafford Toa. Stefano Yutokamanu. He's like, please just stop leaking shit. There are so many reasons that I've spoken about in this podcast why a player like Stefano would look around him and say, I want to stay. I actually think, you know, it seems like we haven't made any progress, but sometimes you make substantial leaps and it looks like you've made no progress at all, and then all of a sudden, whooshka, you make way more progress than you expected to make in a very short burst. So there's a lot for Stefano to look at and say, fuck, I want to stick around. But yeah, then there's leaks. There's just, yeah, mainly the leaks, but the power struggles, all these shenanigans. Stefano has some thinking to do. Is it worth the promise and potential of this club if you can't have a conversation without it being leaked. Talon De Silva, uh, his prodigious abilities were also leaked. The media told us, prodigy. Um, I hadn't actually seen much of Talon De Silva, so I was just like, oh, he's a prodigy? Okay, sweet. I love prodigious players. And yeah, hopefully he is prodigious or the media will fucking probably try wreck him. Uh, but yeah, he's one I'm keeping a close eye on. Tristan Riley has been released. So he was there. Will he be there? Will he not? Well, we now know Tristan Riley won't be there. And that was another factor, given that he had played in the centres, uh, that makes me think Josh Felody, one to watch. Anyway, development players Alex Lobb comes over from the Dragons, young winger, and Dragons fans... They thought he was a pretty decent option, so he'll be in the mix for a wing spot. Chris Fagutu, Kit Laulili. And now Kit Laulili 
is another one to watch. I only pick one, so that's why I went with Felity. But Kit Laulii. Keep your eagle eyes on Kit Laulii. One to watch as well. Solomoni Saukuru and Tony Suka. And the train and trial players. I'm the kind of rugby league desperado that just searching high and low, like who are the train and trialists? I need to know. Uh, and we've got the train and trialists. For the Tigers, we've got Josh Finnau, uh, who's a prop coming over from the Shark system. Declan Casey, probably the most notable name that they've got trialling for the club. Uh, Declan Clay, uh, Casey played for the Bulldogs, can play fullback, centre wing. And yeah, having that NRL experience, you'd have to expect Declan Casey will be one of the front runners to work his way into the top 30. Reuben Porter, an edgeback rower, played at a few spots actually, been in the Roosters system, been around the Raiders system, most recently played for the New North Sydney Bears. Bring them back. No, I don't honestly give a shit, but respect to those who want to see them back. Uh, Reuben Porter. Yeah, we haven't seen him at NRL level. If we have, I didn't see it, and it skipped my mind. But he's been around for a little while, and he's got experience, and he was playing really, really well last year. So Reuben Porter, he's one who could come from outside the mix and get himself into the team. Samuel Loizu, uh, I believe he's most recently was playing in the centres. He's coming over from the Eels. He has played at least one first grade game. I'm pretty sure Samuel, so he'll be hungry for more. And Nick Luitoso, another guy who's been around the traps, been at the Panthers, Northern Pride, spent some time at the Dragons. He rocks up to the Tigers, looking for a shot. Nick, a front rower. So that's the top 30, that's the squad. Uh, I was kind of surprised by how many will he be there or will he won't situations there are. Uh, but the Tigers have got themselves a situation that they need to work out. That's for them, not for me. Well, would you look at that? It's time for the final assessment. Uh, I'm not sure all the podcasts will go this long. To be honest, that that's the thing. There's just so much going on with the Tigers. Think about all the things I didn't talk about. Justin Pascoe, Lee Hadjipentalis. That alone takes us to the three-hour mark. But let's just, let's just segue straight in to the final assessment, which also includes the first in this series member of my predicted 2024 ladder. Just remember, this is speculation. This is opinion. Uh, if you're upset and you think my ladder choices are egregious, I am so, so sorry. Okay, final assessment. Point of difference. Got a couple of points of difference, actually, for the Tigers. The desire to improve. Nobody wants to sit down the bottom of the ladder. Nobody wants to be seen as the laughing stock of the NRL. And I know Tigers, like the players again, they aren't the laughing stock. It's everything going on around them. But the desire to improve, that is motivation for sure and a real point of difference. Benji as coach, that's another one. Now, does he have that experience? Not as a coach. So much as a player though. And so much knowledge to 
passed down, so that is a point of difference. And John Morris as a foil to Benji, another one. Final point of difference, a fantastic mix of youth and elite talent. They have got that right. And as I do these podcasts, I remember doing uh, the series a couple of years ago, I kind of get a vibe that I didn't have from my notes once I'm actually talking. And the Tigers, spoiler alert, I don't have them in my top eight. But this has been one of those podcasts where I'm like, wow. I mean, there's a lot of negative I could have spoken about. But when you actually look at the roster and what they're trying to build on the field, there's a lot to like. There is a lot to like. It's a bit of a half-glass-full approach right here. Uh, Final thoughts. In the 2022 series, I correctly picked the Tigers to come last. At the time, my kind of justification was that I believed they were just in such a messy situation, it seemed inevitable that Michael Maguire wouldn't last the season, which he didn't. just didn't seem like a good way to enter the year. So I predicted they'd come last, but my call in 2022 was that they would bottom out. 2023, they sunk to a new low. They went from 16th to 17th. So they actually did not bottom out. They sunk to a new low. If you just take the ladder, and if that is the only thing we judge the club by, they sunk to a new low. And their media antics and general behavior from those at the top They continue to sink to new lows. So, I went away from the Tigers in my predictions last year. I had the Knights to come last. What a dickhead. Won't be doing that again. Very excited uh, to do the Knights podcast. And I think they were the team, as a neutral fan last year, toward that back end that I was most excited about. And genuinely, they were carrying themselves as dark horses. So I am pumped for what the Knights can do this year. Uh, 2024, for all the reasons I've mentioned throughout this podcast, I do believe the only way is up. But there is a part of this series and a little bit of a phrase which may get brought out from time to time. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. Uh, Now, Tigers are broken. They do need a lot of things to be fixed. I'm talking about my predictions. I picked them to come last, 2022, I was correct. I veered away from that, really believing that the club was heading in the right direction, and they came last. They came last even worse than the year before. So, first ladder prediction for 2024, my justification, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. West Tigers, 17th place. And for many of the reasons I spoke about, I am cheering them on. I genuinely believe they can lift themselves at very, very minimum off the foot of the ladder. But two sayings. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. And also, to be trusted with a lot, you must first be trusted with a little. Uh, In the OG podcast I recorded, that was something I spoke about a bit more. I have no faith in the organization, no trust. That does not extend to the players. That does not extend to the coaches, who I have a lot of faith in. But for all these on-field things they're trying to get right, 
with the coaches who contribute to that, all the staff, uh, and of course the players. It's just an uphill battle because of what's going on up top. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, club let go of legendary trainer Ronnie Palmer. Hopefully, if he's still keen to do it, given that's really all he knows, uh, hopefully he gets a gig. An absolute legend. Uh, but information leaks, uphill battle for the coaches. No faith in the organization. So not the Tigers team, the organization. And so despite really feeling like they're not going to be wooden spooners for a third consecutive year, I go back to my other saying, to be trusted with a lot, which is finals football and premierships, you must first be trusted with a little, which is not coming dead last. And I mean that very respectfully, but given that this is opinion, you know, I'm not going to be plunged off a cliff if my predictions are wrong, so really there's nothing riding on it. I, I just go back to things like that. And Tigers, so much faith in the players, but we look at the Tigers as a whole. Can I trust them with a little? So before I can trust them with a lot and have high ambitions and say this is the time where they're you know, a finals contender and really producing the goods, I must first be able to trust them with a little. I tried to last year. I think I had them like 14th. And yeah, they were not to be trusted. So Tigers, 17th place. Only up from here. And I genuinely believe brighter days ahead. Given that they are the only team uh, that took a game to New Zealand as a Warriors fan, I'm actually cheering the West Tigers on. I like the players. Basically everything except the circus going on up the top, players, coaches, huge fan of. The fans, as a fan of Warriors again, like we went through such a tough time. We, like this past season was the only real year of serious significance since 2011. And we played finals once outside of this year, but I kind of felt like where Warriors were at and Tigers, despite being very different clubs and structures, locations, players. Like, I don't know, I just know the struggles of fucking not seeing success since 2011. Up until this year, and it, it feels so good when the team finally does fire. So I'm not a hater. My prediction is 17th, uh, but I will be frothing it if the Tigers can get it together this year and not just get off the foot of the ladder, uh, really go on a surge. Think Warriors this year. Think Cowboys last year. I'll be cheering them on, but to be trusted with a little, or a lot rather. I don't even know my own sayings anymore. <laughs> They're not even my own sayings too. I stole that uh, respectfully, if that's legal to say. That is legal to say. What the fuck? Uh, let's finish off. West Tigers, 17th place. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. Those are in the OG podcast, when I was justifying 17th, those were the two. So for the last time, I will finish. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. West Tigers, 17th. To be trusted with a lot, they must first be trusted with a little. Excited to see how they go. But that is it. And let's see what plays out in between now and then.
there's going to be plenty. Justin Pascoe, I'm sure we'll hear from him at every possible opportunity. And what's going to happen with Justin Olam? Are the club going to get Jerome Luai? A few things to uh, watch this space on, but lots of NRL content coming out. So we park the chat there. What is next? Well, we're moving up the ladder. So St. George Illawarra Dragons are next. And that kind of frustrated me because I was like, ah, you know, to start with the two clubs that are the most chaotic, it's like, ah, fuck. It's arguably the most work. So, yeah, I'm going to get into the Dragons one. Can they have a grand revival this year under Shane Flanagan? What is going on with Ben Hunt? We're going to have to talk about that, aren't we? And yeah, the Dragons. I'll be going through the X-Factor player, captain, one to watch. A lot of the similar stuff to, to this one. I'll be leaving the board of directors stuff out, uh, although you could argue Dragons most definitely. That is also uh, where the club is essentially going wrong, at the top. So Shane Flanagan, he's going to come in. He is going to try and big dog his way uh, into this and just say the Dragons board, I'm the fucking man now. And Ben Hunt, you're under no circumstances leaving. You want to go to family reasons? I need to see. And this is Shane Flanagan. Hypothetically speaking, not me speaking. But it seems like Dragons are going to be like, man, if you want to go to Queensland, we need to see like a doctor certificate. There needs to be a serious reason. Otherwise, you're a dragon for life. So, yeah. Gee, we'll get into all of that. Socials plug to finish off at Not Just a Sports Report on Instagram to keep up with all the other content. We've got Monday Munchies coming up, new series, The Tuesday Treat, uh, which are a bit, a bit different from the usual sports content. That's why it's called Not Just a Sports Report. Plenty of NRL content. We're going to finish the year strong, just banging out NRL preview after NRL preview. Like I mentioned, Dragons next. And we're launching full-time back into the UFC as well. So plenty going on. With that being said, I need to move on to the next project. Thank you for listening. If you're a Tigers fan, I'm sorry. But yeah, 17th place. Good luck to yous. I genuinely hope to be proven wrong. And very wrong. I'd love to be proven wrong. So we digress. Thanks for listening and have a ripper weekend.